0: 1, 2, 3, 4,
1: 5, 6, six 7, 8, seven. Last time on Dragon Ball Z. Wait, what? No, I'm the announcer here, and my voice means it's time for another comic conversation. This week is another superhuman voice actor, the voice of Goku and DBZ, the voice of Rolf and Ed and Nettie. It's Peter Kalamis! Yeah.
2: yet again with the shrub of ridicule
1: no, no man i would never I, I mean but i do hope you all enjoy this week's dragon ball z will you stop it it's time for a comic conversation peter peter Peter, how are you doing today man i'm doing great it's
2: uh it's been a great con great show everybody's been awesome and um it's been great what can i say
1: it's awesome man I'm i'm happy you're having a good time uh, your table has been very busy today.
2: Yeah, it's, uh, it's yeah, it has been busy. It's great.
3: We they put you in an interesting spot where it's like everybody stops to see you, <laughs> see you in your table, but it like stops everything else with, uh, with the rest of the con. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Strategically,
1: let's put Peter Kellamis right in the middle yeah. to stop everything. I and then people are like, what's <laughs> happening here? It's freaking Goku. Yeah.
2: I think I think the best table you can have is that one or right by the bathroom. Because eventually, everybody will go there.
1: Right. Yeah. Exactly. So I think
2: I got like the second best table yeah, in the
1: place. You will be seen, right? Yeah. Uh, so just to do a quick little intro, even though uh, the majority of people here are going to know who he is. Born in Sydney, Australia, raised in Vancouver, Canada, an accomplished actor, voice actor, and stand-up comedian... The voice behind some iconic characters, including Goku, Rolf, as well as Dark Carnage in Absolute Carnage for the Marvel Comics, uh, Motion Comics, Mm -hmm. two comedy albums downloadable on all major music platforms, and has two recorded television comedy specials. His other film and television credits include Glow, The Man in the High Castle, The Dragon Prince, Zombie, Lego Star Wars, The New Yoda Chronicles, The Galaxy's Most Wanted, like the longest name ever. (laughs) Iron Man, Armored Adventures, Stargate, the Stargate Universe, and Riverdale. Ladies and gentlemen, Peter Kelmus.
2: Hello, everybody.
1: Now, man, before we get into uh, your story and everything like that, let's learn a little bit about kind of like your mind and how it works. Uh Uh-oh. I know, right? What is something... Oh, yeah. (laughs) He's like, you want to turn the music down? Uh, what is something that people are nerding out on that you just that that, and that they're obsessed with that you just don't get the point of? That
2: I don't get the point of? Yeah. Uh, like, why do you like the, it? the the uh, the meme uh, f- with Otto in uh, the uh, Barbie thing? Um, I played a character called Otto. Oh. And he's this. <laughs> uh, he's been nicknamed the Horny Weasel, right? <laughs> oh. Uh, and and I did it like back in 2011 or 2012, and then last year it just kind of exploded, and it was. <laughs> And it was all because uh, of this one line that went something like this of, mmm, give him to me, oh. <laughs> That's it. Mm-hmm. Assuming he was <laughs> German, right? Uh, yes, <laughs> auto. And, but if you go to the internet, there's some sites that have literally 3 million views. Other ones have 1 million, and then they've turned it into all sorts of uh, weird and creepy things. And on Instagram, I get people uh, asking me all the time. It's like, why did you do it like that? That's creeping me out. <laughs> the internet yeah. is terrible, yeah. dude. Yeah, so I think I You're ruined like, some can people's can I get a residual childhoods. on that? I n- no, I, no. But uh, that one weirded me. I don't quite get it. Uh, but they're obsessed with the delivery of that one line. (laughs) Oh, God, man.
1: (laughs) Um, So we have a segment called Growing Up Geeky on our show. Yeah. Uh, What did you geek out on when you were a kid? Star Wars. Yes. Uh,
2: I I remember being... How old would I have been? I was like 9 or 10 years old when Star Wars came out, and... (laughs) We went to a friend's birthday party, and his mother informed us that she was taking us all to Star Wars. Oh, that is and awesome. And it was like, you're the coolest mom in the world. <laughs> and we, we came awesome. out of there, and it was like, you know, if you remember seeing your first Star Wars movie, it's like you, you, you can't remember walking. It's like you floated out of there. It was the most magical, mystical, fantasy-filled thing you've ever seen in your life. So, right. I, I, I mean, I could barely breathe. It was amazing.
1: Boba Fett. Ah!
2: <laughs> <laughs> I used to do an impression of uh, it was from The Empire Strikes Back where um, um, uh, when Luke lands in the swamp and then R2 falls over and mm-hmm. he's like R2, R2 and I was like oof, 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 and he pokes his head out and then you see the monster go down and he gets him and he's like oh my god R2 and then when the monster spits him out it was this <laughs> that is so perfect <laughs> that was it but a weird weapon the weird Bird
3: impressions I not <laughs> yes.
1: That was perfect. It's so cool. (laughs) It was. That was like easily the best R2, like human R2 I've heard in a while, man. It was great. Um, so I have a philosoph- philosophical question to ask you. Yeah. Okay. What came first, the stand-up or the acting career?
2: Oh, uh, the stand-up. Because uh, my first stand-up show was in grade four um, in our last day <laughs> wow. of school. Uh, because I used to imitate our teacher behind her back all year. And then she found out about it. Because she was like from Transylvania or something. Oh, God.
0: Like, she would talk like this. And what are you holding? It's time for recess. It was very strange.
2: <laughs> and the most massive jewelry you've ever seen in your life. Like, it was a shield plate. Like, a chest shield plate. Plate. It was like bulletproof enormous and nails out to here and the hair done it was like it looked like something off the Carol Burnett show like it was this weird nice. lady but it, you know so I would imitate her all the time and then on the last day I imitated her to her like on stage in front of the class and like she was dying laughing like thank god yeah yeah because uh she, you know. I mean
1: she could block a Gallic gun at that point oh so yeah. Like, yeah
2: and those nails <laughs> I still remember those
1: things That's uh, funny. so when did you know you wanted to be an actor uh probably
2: uh uh, grade two grade three something like that okay because i used to watch like i mentioned the carol burnett show and i used to watch i used to plead with my parents that i could stay up and watch it because it a little close to bedtime mm-hmm. but i used to watch people like tim conway and harvey corman and carol burnett herself which was, was a comedic genius mm-hmm. uh but tim conway especially with the physical comedy and the characters and those are things i used to imitate it at school you know like uh, hey there mrs awakens All these characters, you know, some of the times I go to school, they didn't know who I was imitating. I'd be imitating like Richard Nixon and stuff. My grade three classmates are like, What are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not a (laughs) crook. (laughs) <laughs> and they're like, we don't understand what you're doing. But it was, I was, and then Monty Python. I grew up on Monty Python, right. so I would sit there and record the show on a, the cassette tape, and then imitate their voices like over and over and over again. Oh man, uh, give us one of those. It's just like, right, that parrot is dead. Oh God. Right. <laughs> Once I had to do it at John Cleese like imitation for an audition, and I, so I had to study it a little more. And he's like, right, now what are you doing?
1: Oh, that, right. that that's an amazing John Cleese. <laughs> I I think we need an applause for that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) and it's weird.
2: Sometimes, like, with auditions, you get uh, requests for impressions that you, did, you didn't know you could do or right. that you are forced to try to do. Uh, like I mentioned, the Richard Nixon one, that came from, uh, if you remember the movie The Watchmen. Yes. Richard Nixon was in there. Right. Uh, and in, in the alternate reality where he was running for his, like, fourth term or third term as president because there were no terms in this alternate world. Right. world. Uh, so I auditioned for uh, Richard Nixon, so I studied it for, like, a week. Mannerisms, old tapes uh, or old footage, or I should say. And it was like, he would talk like this, and there was always a bit of a shake. the um, And then I went in and read for Zack Snyder. He was in the room, which I didn't expect. Oh, wow. Yeah, right. so you're auditioning for this massive director, and you're like, wow, that's him. <laughs> He's right there. <laughs> He's talking to me. <laughs> Uh, and then the audition went really well, and he's like, wow, that was great. Loved it, and I tried it this way. And he's like, wow, fantastic. And he's looking at everybody in the room, and they're all nodding, like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, have you done prosthetics before? And I go, yes, you know, numerous times. And he's like, okay, you're available in, like, September? And, and yeah. And by the time, uh, I, you know, I got my car, drove home, my agent called, and they go, "Look, this looks like it's going your way, like this huge movie. And I'm like, wow, that's great. Um, and then a few weeks go by, and I didn't get a call. And then uh, my agent inquired for me, and he, and he got back to me, and he goes, oh, somebody had the studio said they had a meeting about who they were going to hire, and I was in the running. And they go, "This is bizarre." They go, "Well, Richard Nixon is an American icon, so we should get an American to play him." Okay, that's dumb. Um, and I'm like, "Didn't it, you know?" Yeah,
1: that's that's just. I mean, <laughs> Frank Langella
2: played him. Uh, Anthony. Uh, what am I thinking of? Um, Annabelle Lecter. Uh, yeah, the actor again. Anthony um, um, Hopkins. Hopkins. Thank yeah. you. He played him. It's just I don't know, but for some reason, this one person in the studio decided that that's what they wanted to do, and then I was out yeah that's
1: I, I, see I don't get the logic in that because it's like pick the best actor for the, for the role You yeah I mean sometimes you, you killed you, it in the 10 seconds you were here doing it <laughs> <laughs> no some, sometimes you read for something and
2: you're like yeah I think I'm going to get that and then you don't get it and then another time it's where you're like there's no chance I'm going to get that and then they call and they're
1: like, you got booked on something and you're like
2: really did they make a mistake like really yeah, okay, yeah. Right.
1: that's that's how uh, uh, the, the Joker happened with um, uh, Heath Ledger or? no um, why am I all of a what sudden King? forgetting yeah, what, what Cesar Romero no no <laughs> the, the <laughs> Best Joker. Uh anime Mark Hamill. Uh, oh, yes, yes. Yeah, because yeah. Mark Hamill's story was like that. He went in to really? read for like a, a side character. Uh because oh, he was wow. like, Yeah, I wasn't looking to be any like major mm-hmm. characters. He was like, I just wanted to do like, you know, like henchman number three. Yeah. And they were like, oh, we like what you do here. Can you come in and read this character? And he just right. made up a voice, and then they call him back like three weeks later, and like, so you're playing the Joker. And he's like, wait, what? I didn't even audition for The Joker. Wow. And uh, and because they already had Tim Curry playing the Joker. Yeah. And uh and they had already recorded 10 episodes with Tim Curry as the joker and then went and re-recorded it with Mark Hamill that first session he says uh he went in there and he's like I, I don't remember what I did so he gets the uh, uh the director he's like did you have a recording from when I uh when I when I did the audition I just I want to remember uh, uh exactly wow. how I said certain things and, and, and they're like oh yeah we got this right here he goes I didn't remember what I did <laughs> he goes so so I went back and and listened to it and he's like that's what I did that's the joker right, and ended up being the most iconic joker out of all the jokes <laughs> right, so it's like so cool. Yeah, so it's like it's it's exactly what you're saying. Is you, you
2: never you, you never know what to expect, right? One time I had uh, I had been cast in enough. In I did because I've done like eight Barbie videos over right. the years, right? Different ones, uh, and one I went, I, I got, and it was this um, crazy little bat. Um, and then I got to studio, and they go, Oh yeah, well, uh, th- th- Tim Curry's playing uh, the bat, and we thought, you know, well, he's going to be recording from somewhere else remotely. Mm-hmm. No, he was there, and because oh, wow. me and I was like his side. Kick, uh, in the script, there's Tim Curry right next to me for two days, and I'm like, "Oh my, I'm freaking out." I'm, you, you try. Sometimes you, you get to go to work, and you're not to freak out. Right. Like you're, you're fanboying at work. Right. And you know, and my character was just a really sucky little. Oh, sire! What did you What you like me to do today, sire? <laughs> and I remember I fired up my first line, and he just stopped, and he goes, "Well, that's very disturbing." <laughs> like I have arrived. (laughs) Tim Curry liked what I did. (laughs) that's great
1: I I, I was just told by Frank Furter that I was disturbing (laughs) (laughs) Um, so getting into I know everybody's excited for this right here but like given that you were technically the second actor to voice on Goku after uh, Ian James Gordon uh, Corlett uh, and also currently the internet's favorite Goku I don't know if you've seen all that
2: well there's (laughs) (laughs) like you are the internet's
1: favorite version of Goku at this point I
2: don't know I I think sometimes I am sometimes I'm I'm not I think (laughs) yeah at, at times it's so I get, you know, they'd have this rate your favorite Goku thing, and it comes up a lot on my feed as well. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's, uh, I take it very complimentary in a complimentary way that they still, I mean, I haven't done the voice in a recording uh, for a very long time. So to be in that conversation is, right. uh, I, I think of that as an honor that people still uh, have such a, a great memory uh, associated with the voice. How did right. you, how did you get that role? Ian James Corlett uh, left the show for, uh, for. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what reasons, whether he had another project or not. Uh, but me and Ian are, are similar in cadence. I think he might be a little bit higher. But we would audition against each other all the time mm-hmm. for lots of stuff. And sometimes I would get it. Sometimes Ian would get it. Sometimes we'd work together. And oh, uh, the audition breakdown came out. And they said, here, yeah, Ian used to do the role. So here's the, the ref and the track. And they was like, oh, OK, I'll give it a shot. And then uh, and then I ended up getting it.
1: Okay. All so like, did you do like a traditional audition for that? Or did you get called for that? No,
2: traditional audition went into the studio. And, and they had us. Uh, it was all ADR. So so we, I think we, we had to take a run at, you know, the ADR stuff. And mm-hmm. for those who, who may not know what that is, a lot of cartoons, most cartoons nowadays, uh, called Prelay, you, you do the voices first, and then they send off the the, the auto, audio files, and then they animate to what you've said. With Prelay, you there's a Japanese actor who's already done the lines and the performance, and their mouths are moving at a Japanese rate right. as mm-hmm. far as dialogue goes, and you have to try to match the English script to that, and sometimes they just didn't match it at all, yeah. not even close. Yeah. You know, it's just like, okay... Uh, like the flap would be and you're like your line was okay <laughs> <laughs> like, okay I'm trying to make this line a little longer
1: okay okay <laughs> But it's like, oh
0: oh, oh, oh okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sometimes we had to do that.
2: So, uh, yeah, th- I did that for the audition and then I ended up getting the role. And uh, at first, uh, there was a, a big group of people that just hated me. Uh, I, that like you say, there's a lot of love in there right uh, flying around now, and I appreciate it. But initially, there was some people that just hated me. Like one guy, uh, I got a death threat, really? yeah, through the internet and and it got a little serious. Like I had to contact the authorities in that given city and just go,, uh, hey, this is getting a little out of hand. And so I don't I don't know whatever happened, but I, it, they stopped. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Do you have any fun stories while uh, recording? Uh, lots. Um, you, you mean like Dragon Ball specific or just in general? Yeah, like like anything yeah. either
1: with Saban or, or like uh, any of the yeah. pioneer recordings when you did the movies.
2: For sure. When we first started recording the show, uh, they would go chronologically through the script, you know, page mm-hmm. one to 30 or whatever it was. And if you know the show, it'd be like, you know, two two lines of dialogue and then you scream for 10 pages. Right. And then there's another two words and then you scream for another seven mm-hmm. pages right and they they quickly realized that our voices were getting blown out by like two episodes and so they changed it to okay we're gonna uh, record all the dialogue for like five episodes in a row and then we're gonna bring you in and you're gonna yell for four hours oh so, wow. so get your throat yeah. ready yeah. yeah no no yeah. seriously and then after sessions like that you literally couldn't really uh, audition for other things like it for a day or two Ian Corlett ran through the same thing where you're just and Brian Drummond um because you're just forced there's so much force going through your throat mm-hmm. in these scenes and you got to do it over and over and over again and and match the flaps and the ADR, and it was a lot of work. The flaps. Yeah. yeah. Industry the, term. I love the, it. The yeah.
1: Match the flaps. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you're also well-known for the voice of the greatest son of a shepherd to play in a cartoon, Rolf. Uh, tell us more about the audition for that show and how you landed on Rolf, because yeah. there's there's a whole story about that, right? Yes. Yes.
2: Uh, I auditioned for literally every male character on the show. Ed, Double D, Eddie, all of them. <laughs> Johnny, Kevin. knows. <laughs> Dude, missing. I want to hear your Everybody. Johnny, man. I want to hear what
1: your Johnny sounds like.
2: <laughs> I can't remember what I did for Johnny. Uh, I didn't get it, though, so they didn't yeah. like it.
1: <laughs>
2: uh, <laughs> And it, I had given up because it was like, no, they, I didn't get any of them. And I was, somebody else that I knew, another actor, was going to audition for the show. And I was outside of the studio when they went in, and I was sitting there for a few minutes, just, you know, fiddling around my phone. And the director, Terry Claussen, runs out, and he goes, because he saw me, yeah. and he goes, hey, we're auditioning for this uh, foreign kid, uh, Rolf. Do you want to, here's the size, take a look at it, and, you know, come in in five minutes. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so five minutes later, I just ran in there, and it's like, well, hello, it Boy. What are you doing, it Boy? <laughs> So and, that was, good. and that was it. That was it. I had five minutes with it. And then, you know, we re- did that voice for like 12 years. Oh, yeah. Uh. Yeah. But that show, man, like we've never, I've never laughed that hard in a session
1: repeatedly,
2: you know. And Erin Fitzgerald was the worst because um, <laughs> she loved the voice of Rolf and I had the best line. So she would cackle. so She couldn't hold it together. Like we'd <laughs> ruin take after take. And, and we would have so much fun and we would screw around so much that I think it was before the first season, Ended because they used to have all of us in the room, like all like ten of us, twelve of us in the room so you guys recording we're at the same time. Yeah, yeah. And, and then after I think I don't know how many episodes, they said, "Okay, that's it. The Eds are going to record in one session, and the rest of you are going to record in another session." So that's how they <laughs> moved forward from that point on. Like detention. But it, yeah, it was like detention. You got separated in class, but yeah. it, it didn't do anything. We still had fun.
3: I mean, because no, most
1: we, voice actors are just basically class clowns that made it.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the thing is, when you're in session and and you you know you're comfortable with the people there and all that. And let's face it; you're trying to crack everybody up. I mean, yeah. in addition to doing a good job, I mean, and Rolf had the best lines in the world. You go to the internet; there's sites dedicated to, you know,
1: here's top 100 Rolf quotes, yeah, and they, and they continue. Um, like even the, the the most basic stuff that Rolf says still to this day cracks me up. Yeah, you know, like head and sock Ed boy is like one of the best yeah. insults that's, that's not right. an insult. You know,
2: <laughs> your garden is overgrown and your cucumbers are soft.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I would get to work and I'd read these things and they would make
2: me laugh. <laughs> Like, before I actually read them out loud, I'm like, God, these lines are just killer. How
3: much, uh, like, how did you get into that role? Like, hey, here's a script, five minutes, you're going to read Rolf. Yeah. Like, what was your backstory? How did you come up with the voice? And, like, how, how, does, well, how I, does that happen?
2: I come from a, a Greek background. My, my parents were Greek immigrants uh, into Canada. Uh, so, Being you know, in Australia. they, they uh, yeah, well, here's the thing. They, they were married in Greece, and then they moved to Australia. I was born in Australia. Mm-hmm. And then they went back to Greece, and because they were trying to start a life in Vancouver, Vancouver this is where it gets a little weird they left me with my grandparents for like three years uh, while they kind of set up a life in Canada and got jobs and tried to get a place to live and and all that stuff so I thought my grandparents were my parents I didn't really understand and then they they brought me to Vancouver and they said we're going to meet your parents I'm like I don't know these people (laughs) oh my gosh and when we came to Vancouver like I would be stealing stuff and taking it into my grandpa's room and going okay we'll take this back with us (laughs) So oh my I, gosh. I was stealing everything in the house and putting it in our suitcase because I thought we were leaving right. strangers. Um, and oh then my gosh. and then they left me there. And my grandfather, I mean, I, I was named after him. He was like my world. I'm like, I used to sleep hanging on to the back of his hair so he wouldn't take off on me, right? Just so he wouldn't leave. Like right. there was a, a very special bond there. And uh, he couldn't bring himself to say goodbye. So oh he God. left. And I still to this day remember running to a schoolyard close by yelling his name until I got tired. And oh. I, they had to. The, Bring me in, and then I eventually fell asleep. And this horrible childhood memory that I'm sharing with you all—that's nice. From this is where my pain comes from. Uh, (laughs) Um, So you
1: guys are now that much closer to Peter. Yeah. Uh,
2: Um, but being uh, uh, from a family of immigrants, there was a lot of accents and a lot yeah. of weird, in- interesting people in this small village that we used to have to go to in the summertime. And it was all strange to us. But I always was fascinated by accents and characters and strange people. I f- strange, if you're a little strange, I just I think you're a little more interesting than everybody else. I would agree. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have a lot of creative freedom with Rolf? Uh, not with the dialogue, because Danny Antonucci was very specific with things. But I would start doing other things after a line or before a line like that but you know okay this is where Rolf gets hit so uh okay Rolf gets hit and all of a sudden i started going <laughs> It was just supposed to be like, ow, and it's like, <laughs> it's almost like back a record playing backwards. I don't know, it just kind of came out that way. And then oh, they eventually would ask for that. They're like, okay, so Rolf jumps over the fence, give us a Schlahork. <laughs>
1: so I'm good. like, that's how I made my mark on it. <laughs> <laughs> Again, my favorite character of all, because he's like the most character of all the characters on that show. Yeah. You know, because, I mean, yeah, you you have the characters in Ed and Eddie. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, like, Rolf is a complete, like, he's 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 the one kid that's not just, like, the normal uh, relatable kid for all the other kids. Yeah. For, for kids who grew up in immigrant families, it's like, yeah. oh, I know exactly who that is.
2: Yeah. And, yeah. and you know what was neat? Just thinking about it right now, maybe. Uh, just And he was never, it wasn't like the kids made fun of the foreign kid. Right. They were just confused confused by, right. you know, <laughs> like that, why he had a pig and a goat and dried meats in his, you know, in his home and it, it was just confusing to the Eds yeah. right. but they just kind of rolled with it so yeah. there was never any malicious uh, interaction with the Eds other than them beating the snot out of each other occasionally but that's it was almost like, you know, what brothers would do Yeah, um, like
1: my favorite thing was always when Rolf would bring up his traditions that he like, right. he, he would almost yeah. get upset that you didn't know those traditions. That's right. You know and those yeah. were always the funniest things to me because it was like, did you not bring the, uh, the ceremonial your, uh, exactly. Friendship cumca- cupcake. Like, yeah. What
2: the hell are you talking about? <laughs> or would, would, or he would refer to something and refer it back to his family, like you know, the grass is sprouting like Nana's nose hairs. <laughs> like that. I know exactly what that looks like. Yeah. <laughs> That's so good. That's so good.
3: <laughs> I know, uh, I know.
1: Um, so going on from there, so you're also a certified Brony. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, I am. Uh, what's it like coming up with the different characters you've you've portrayed on My Little Pony too? Like, uh, how much creative freedom did you have with those characters, uh, or was there already a vibe in mind when they when they were, when you were in studio? They're like, we they're, want this character yeah. to be this character.
2: There was a, a vibe. So I was a big Daddy McCult. Mm-hmm. So uh, he's almost like a Sam Elliott kind of guy. At 100%. The Macor- uh, and it was the few between the Huffields and the McCourt. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so, I mean, when you the thing is when you're auditioning for My Little Pony when they give you a sketch of the character and they om- almost always did for that sometimes when you audition there's a description but no picture no sketch that's the worst I'd rather see a sketch for mm-hmm. five seconds and I will get more out of that visually than I will reading a paragraph of oh this is what the character's like really well he's dressed in you know jeans and a cowboy hat how do you think he's going to sound right right I, the, it, the visual is more important to me so that's I mean he with the My Little Pony ones oh there was always a sketch and I'm like okay well, I think this is, guy's going to sound like this but then I had another Character fashion plate, which was like a uh, over-the-top, almost like Entertainment Tonight reporter. That's like, oh, here we are at the at the, at the, at the fashion show of the century. <laughs> <laughs> so when you look at the character, there's like sparkles and stuff like that going off. So you're like, okay, I'm gonna go big with this, yeah. right?
1: Right? Like, let's go the most Hollywood I can think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like and e red carpet kind of stuff. Exactly. Yeah.
2: And I got to go to my first Brony convention in uh, in Seattle a number of years ago, and uh, I mean conventions. If you're not used to them. You know, they can be kind of daunting and everybody's dressed up and it's like, wow, it's weird and exciting and it's it's wild. And, and the brony ones, if it's your first one, it's it's an eye-opener because, right. you know, they're very into their uh, their genre and uh, they're very dedicated to it. And I'm sure that people walking into a hotel with a brony convention going on think, you know, there is something very strange happening at the hotel. <laughs> you know, there's grown men dressed, dressed up, up as, as ponies. ponies and, yeah. you know, sitting at the bar with, you know, a G-string on and a, and a mane. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, okay, well, that's it's a, there's a brony convention. Whoa, <laughs> this is normal. Okay. It's yeah. a Tuesday. You know what? <laughs> a, a, but like any convention, um, a friend of mine uh, was on Stargate, and he had right. another good buddy of mine uh, had had a conversation with him once. And a friend of his said, oh, wow, you go to those freaky uh, conventions. That must be, you know, a bunch of freaks and losers. And he goes, "Well, no, no, no. Wait a second here. There's people enjoying the genre that they're enjoying, mm-hmm. not hurting anybody. And he goes, is it any different than somebody going to, you know, like a football game with no shirt on, 10 below, and, and painting their belly green? Yeah, exactly. Like, no. No, there isn't. They're enjoying whatever they're enjoying. Right. Uh, so don't come down on anybody. I mean, I think people at conventions oftentimes uh, can be sometimes socially awkward mm-hmm. or or feel like they're alone. And they meet like-minded people at these conventions. Um, our daughter, who's 12, has been screaming to go to a convention for a long time. And she went to her first one that I was at in Vegas about a month ago and had the time of her life. Yeah. Because she met. Awesome. It, she She went in cosplay and she met girls her age within minutes. And they were glued. At the, my poor wife was trying to catch up with them because they were just gone, uh, having the time of their life. And she and afterwards she goes, That was the best time in the whole world. And and they were also Aww. inviting uh, and open and inclusive. And that's what I see at conventions. That's right. why I like coming to these things. I, I, I think people enjoy them and and you know, they make lifelong friends here.
1: Absolutely, one hundred percent. Um so yeah, moving into to, to the next question I have here, right? Uh so what was it like playing Randall Boggs in Disney and in, in Disney Infinity games? Uh yeah. Did you go for more of like the character itself, or were you trying to do a voice match of Steve Buscemi?
2: I had to do a voice match of Steve Buscemi. And um, as I was about to say it earlier, that sometimes you, you have to do impressions and you didn't, you didn't know you had. Mm-hmm. And that was one of them because I know Buscemi, uh, Buscemi's work. Right. I love it. But I never had never even attempted a Buscemi impression. And so you start studying the person. And mm-hmm. for me, every impression is kind of like a puzzle. And sometimes you don't know how to break that puzzle or solve that puzzle until you see somebody else do it. Like going back to some SNL stuff, you know, when. Dana Carvey did the uh, George W. It's nah, not gonna do that. You know, he, and suddenly <laughs> everybody's doing the, that kind of impression. I was like, oh, that was the, the, the break, so we yeah. could made it funny. With that one, I just kind of studied Buscemi, and I'm like, uh, the thing that struck me is there's way too many teeth in his mouth. <laughs> there's, when he smiles, there's a good, like, four or five extra teeth. That he's barely, he can barely accommodate them. And so he talks like this, and he barely opens his mouth. <laughs> it's like, I can't even get the words out, because there's so many teeth That's so funny. That's that's where my impression came from. Oh, that is great. <laughs> that makes so much sense. It like, does to look at somebody's like. Well, the next time you see him features, on film, now you're yeah. gonna say you're gonna say, yeah, there's too many teeth in
1: there. There's too many teeth in his mouth. <laughs> So switching a little bit of gear here. Uh, yeah. so you've also been involved in a lot of high profile live action shows, uh, mm-hmm. examples like Stargate, yeah. man in the high castle, Riverdale and I zombie, just to name a few. Yeah. Uh, when you approach a new character, how do you find that voice? What's, what's, if, if there's any process, what is, what's the process like?
2: Um, I don't know if it's necessarily a voice in a live action stuff, but you, you do adopt a, a character. Mm-hmm. And when you read the script, you obviously need to know what the show is about. Like man in the high castle. I mean, it, it's a very serious, strange subject matter. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so like sci-fi but, you, but not sci-fi yeah or, yeah, yeah it's just alternate reality but you have to accept it as real so mm-hmm. okay Nazis are in charge and okay so this is this character and he's, is he on, on the good side of things is he on the bad side of things what are his intentions what's he trying to do in this scene and all that plays out in your head but you have to make it look natural when you do the audition and um, that one was an at home audition uh, I remember I was I had to leave uh, had to go out of town and the audition came in late and I was like I gotta do it tonight so uh, my wife is also an actor more of a mother now but she's an actor Uh, so I have the benefit of having an extra actor's perspective when I tape and stuff Uh, Mm -hmm. it's a huge benefit so we put down the audition sent it off and then I was like no you got it I was like okay and I I I was always fascinated by the show we didn't have (laughs) amazon Prime, so I couldn't even watch it (laughs) I had a lot of friends that were on the show Mm -hmm. and I knew what the content matter was so I I would go to youtube and see some clips and stuff and then and then kind of get an idea of how deep it was right um but yeah that was an incredible experience and, and worked with some very good actors yeah, which ups your game um so it's a
1: great experience you ever do uh any any reads with your wife like does she ever help you do uh like just do script reads uh,
2: yeah I, not script reads but going over auditions all the time yeah all the time um I just auditioned for a show like two days ago sent it in and it was one of these I because I, I was flying out I flew it yesterday so I had to lay the audition down and then by the time I left they go oh they don't want you for this role but they want you to read for this role in the same show so I got to go home tomorrow <laughs> and lay down a new audition for the yeah. same show but to me that's a that's always a good sign I mean, they, they saw something that mm-hmm. they liked, and you are like, "Okay, well you are not good for this one, but this one we want to see you for this." And it's right. actually a better part, so uh, I got oh, nice. to study on the plane ride home and lay down another audition. Yeah,
1: because that's always cool. It's like you know, I am uh, auditioning for a small role, and you get a bigger role. So it's yeah, like, you know, yeah. like, "Oh, we like the way he does this. We're gonna, yeah. we're gonna, we, we think he'd do well in this role." Yeah, that, that's all. That's usually also like a sign that you are good with the casting director too. So yeah, mm-hmm. and,
2: and, and the, the old is it adage or phrase or whatever that you know, there is no small actors or no small parts, just small actors or right. is it the the way around. Um, me, I remember I got in a, a small part on a, on a movie called uh, Edison Force um, and uh, Morgan Freeman was in it and, uh, and uh, so uh, and Justin Timberlake and Kevin and Spacey you know there was a lot of big name people in it right? Yeah. And uh, so we go in and it was me and another actor who were uh, friends in Vancouver and we're, it was supposed to be at a newspaper um, editing uh, office and we're working at the newspaper and suddenly we find out we were like I don't know who we're going to work with and we get there on the day and it's uh, Morgan Freeman's and the scene oh with us right so we get to work <laughs> with Morgan Freeman and it, it, I mean he's <laughs> as iconic as the voices that you'd expect you know like yeah. when he enters a room you can hear him like 40 feet away enter the room and it's like uh, how's everyone my god
1: he's here yeah. he's like watching, hello I'm Morgan Freeman
2: and we're doing the scene and uh, we did a rehearsal and then Morgan's like okay now hold on <phone rings> And my friend's name is uh, Chris, and he turns to Chris and he goes, uh, "Now watch y'all character's name." He's like, "Newspaper guy number one." <laughs> <laughs> And he goes, "What's your real name, Chris? Now you're gonna be Chris, okay?" Then <laughs> he turns to me and he's like, "What's your character's name? Like newspaper guy number two. He's, <laughs> <laughs> "What's your real name, Peter? You're gonna be Peter now." And it's like you've been knighted, nice. like by the yeah.
1: queen. That Morgan Freeman said, "I'm Peter now." Yeah. He's like adding to the realism in the scene, though. Yeah, like, it, rather than you just being thing, a random but character. But why
2: would you not know the guy's name? It's a small thing, but right. when you look at his work, it's you know, yeah. the layers of his work. It's a small thing, but it adds to the layers that make amazing.
3: He's
1: like characterizing an an unnamed character. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's cool. It's like really cool.
3: Yeah. Do you prefer like uh, live action acting or voice acting or is it split down the middle?
2: Yeah, I like it all. I mean, there's uh, things to like specifically about uh, each of them. I mean, uh, let's face it, you can have a quick shower in the morning and then run into the voice studio with a baseball hat and and do your stuff. Whereas uh, film work, you got to get there, you know, two or three hours before you're actually going to show up on set. You got to get hair, makeup done. Mm-hmm. get your wardrobe on and sometimes it goes for hours and hours and hours before you actually get to set and then you got to be ready and you're always stressed because especially if you have a lot of dialogue and you're on a new set for the first time sometimes like you know it's when you look around there's like you know two or three hundred people working all staring at you when the, you, right. they yell action and if you start thinking about that kind of pressure you can <laughs> really mess yourself up as opposed to it's like no you're just the character and you're doing your thing that's awesome man
1: um, so what would you say or like what, what's your fondest memories from any project that you've been on
2: besides newspaper guy number two,
1: newspaper guy number two.
2: Um, <laughs> wow. Um, I don't know if this is the fondest one, but it was it's kind of an interesting one. I remember I, I it was like I forget the year, it was early 2000s. Um, but I I, I, I don't know why I had a conversation at the time. Uh, like Salma Hayek and Angelina Jolie were the most you know stunning people in Hollywood, right? Mm-hmm. actresses, actresses, very talented, beautiful, stunning. And for some reason, I, it's like I had like a, a crush on both of them, if you want to call it that. Still I thought they do. were just gorgeous. Still do. and, and Yeah. <laughs> and within a span, like I said it out loud to a friend, we were talking about it over coffee. And uh, within a span of about three months, I got to work with both of them oh, wow. oh, on nice. different projects. And uh, they were both as stunning as and as nice and generous as mm. you could ever imagine. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, not only are they, you know, gorgeous and talented, they were extremely just uh, nice and giving and, and uh, they were awesome to work with. So, um, you know, sometimes you get, uh, you just got to put it out there, I guess, to the
3: universe.
1: Put it out then, to the but, universe. You know, and sometimes yeah. it'll happen. Yeah. I was I was mentioning that earlier. You just got to put it out to the universe; it'll happen.
3: Yeah. <laughs> oh, by the way, if you guys have questions, get
2: them ready. We'll we'll call them in a minute.
1: Yeah. Cool. Get yeah, ready here. Hopefully, you guys got some good ones.
2: Uh, what you were, sorry? You're talking about um, the most amazing uh, say say. I think it was more film moments, but yeah,
3: film or voice acting, whichever. Time. Yeah. I, I'm anything? gonna go
2: to another one. Uh, most amazing kind of stand up personal moment, um, and it's film related because the person involved. But a few years back, uh, Rob Williams was filming Jumanji, the original one in Vancouver, mm-hmm. and so we were working at the comedy club you know I was a regular there and then the owner tells us that oh Robin called and he might be coming down to improvise with us you know with an improv group on Wednesday night and we're like nah he's not gonna come I remember all of us I remember that the second it happened we we're all backstage and I literally said it's like no it's not like he's gonna oh hello <laughs> oh my <wow. laughs> <laughs> god like, I was like we turned around there he is like oh I hope you don't mind if I play with you holy god no, I don't think we're gonna mind if you improvise with us no Mr. Robin Williams <laughs> <laughs> and then it, that's it I remember we got up on stage and we it, the, the, you know the improv group was introduced and we all got introduced and then you know the lead improviser said uh oh here and we have a special guest tonight. Please welcome uh Robin Williams and it came out and it's is it's, it's it's insanity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They can't believe what they're seeing. So i was nervous. Like I, I didn't have a best the best show in, in my opinion. That yeah was I was I was a fairly good improviser, but this I was just nervous. Yeah, you mm-hmm. know Starstruck. So yeah, it's cool. almost like I, I just felt like I had the best seat in the house on stage. Mm-hmm. I was watching the show. Yeah. <laughs> and every now and then I would jump in. Um and then uh, the following week, he came back and did it again. Oh, wow. This. And then I had, the nerves were gone with me, and I had a really good show. And a lot of really good riffing with him. Yeah. Uh, really big, funny moments, and I felt really good about it. And got off stage, and I felt even better about it, because he came, comes up to me, and he goes, uh...
1: Very funny. Oh, oh man. Dude, like, that uh, is like...
2: And, and it's like, Robin Williams just told me I'm very funny. And uh, that's... Yeah.
1: That's, that's one of those Arguably one of the best best yeah. improvisers of, it like, our age. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, ever. yeah.
2: So one of the, that's kind of the imprint in your mind when you hear something like that, and, and uh you know that's awesome. incredible
3: that is amazing Man, we, didn't, we didn't even talk about your stand up career i totally wanted to brush on that too all right, who has questions cuz we have about like 5 minutes left oh, sure. dude i ran out of time right. yeah. like i stopped paying attention
1: to time <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes uh, pardon me english dub version of goku like some of the lines you mean uh, like i was saying one of the earlier lines that made me laugh it was in one of the movies and one of the battle scenes was uh <laughs> what? But that lord was a good warm up <laughs> <laughs> Always made me laugh.
1: Yeah, <laughs> makes me laugh too. Yeah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> Anybody else have any questions?
2: Yes, Over are here. Um, I came in. Yeah, I, I like maybe just not that I disliked when he became uh, Super Saiyan because it was great. But I like you know I came in on the, in the in the series when he was on his way to Namek. He was like training in in the ship, and um, I always liked him at that age because there was an innocence to him, and he was almost very childlike. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like because there was a lot of like, what do you mean? Uh, he was always very curious and and. Mm-hmm. Some, I read somewhere that somebody posted, "Oh, you know, Goku's IQ was like 76." I'm like, <laughs> seems kind of low, but you know, he was always had this wide-eyed, childlike innocence about him, and and that's right. how I kind of chose to to play him. Uh, so that was kind of my favorite timing of uh, Goku. But it, you know, there's been so many variations since then. It's yeah, everybody's gonna pick their favorite, but uh, that's probably mine.
1: But that's a great question. I don't know if you've seen the Team Four Star stuff. Yeah, there's like yeah, a yeah, lot of like you know hatred of that of that stuff. But yeah, uh, they based their version of uh, of goku on actually on you so they, they <laughs> said that in interviews. yeah yeah they said because you had that innocence and you right. had that kind of like right. uh a lot of people like to compare you to the japanese voice actor yeah. like a lot of your stuff was very close to the japanese voice actor right. uh so a lot of the choices they did on uh abridged were based on that but they right. kind of exit exce- like they excessively made him stupid oh, sure in, sure you know so <laughs> yeah. it was just like where'd you get that from muffin button <laughs> Yeah,
2: um I was always fascinated by voices and characters and, and things like that. And and when uh, we were improvising at the comedy club and doing stand up, a lot of casting directors would come to the shows and primarily look for to cast somebody funny for a commercial most of the time. So I started getting a lot of commercials and then started getting some voiceover commercials for uh, you know, car dealerships, things like that, you know, McDonald's, what have you. And then slowly that started getting into animated auditions. And but I could not get one land a job for the life of me uh, for animated work could not get it to the point where I told my agent I go I don't, I don't think we should send me out for them anymore I'm not I'm just not getting these I really am not and I went to I think it was about I think I was going to decide it was going to be almost my last one that I attempted and it's for, uh, for a show called the Roswell Conspiracies and then I landed one of the leads and it was like a 65 episode series which you don't even hear about anymore you might hear 13 or 26 episodes this was an enormous show and then that kind of launched me into that arena again and then it's weird when you finally get something everybody else wants you more. <laughs> right. So it's the fact that I had landed that job, suddenly I was given other opportunities to read for other ones and then it kind of clicked. So, you know what, maybe I wasn't ready at the time before that and when, uh, what is it, when talent meets opportunity, maybe that, is that right. the phrase, where maybe that was the right time.
1: All right. So I've got uh, three wrap-up questions real quick because we are at technically over time right here, but uh, right. I want to get these last ones sure. real quick. Uh, so Goku, and as we know, Rolf has evolved on the internet and is like all powerful now, right? Right. Uh, uh, Goku and Rolf get in a fight to the death. Who wins?
2: Oh, I think uh, you gotta
1: go with Rolf. Got the old school moves.
0: <laughs> there you go. You
1: Kamehameha, know, like, Ed Boy. <laughs> and then, uh, can we get a line from Rolf giving the audience the worst piece of advice you can think of? Uh, well, it's
2: actually one of my favorite quotes from the show. Do not burn the candle at both ends. It's at least for the life of a hairdresser. <laughs> <laughs> I never wow. even, I still don't know what that means. <laughs> but I love it. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Leads to so the, the life of a hairdresser. I, honestly.
1: What's wrong with that? Don't work
2: hard or you'll be a hairdresser. I don't know what that <laughs> is. that what it is? I don't
1: know. Something like that, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, so the last thing I got for you here is uh, where can everybody find you, man? What, uh, what, what uh, Social media. What are your pluggables?
2: Oh, yeah. There's no freaky names or anything. It's just at Peter Kalamis on Instagram and at Peter Kalamis on Twitter. Uh, those are my two mains. I have a Facebook, but uh, I, it's mainly for just kind of announcements and closer family friends, but I still, you know, uh, accept to people that uh, cool. uh, want to hook up accounts on there too but the two primary ones are, are Twitter or sorry Instagram and, and uh, Twitter Cool. and Super you'll be awesome. signing a
3: little bit more
2: yeah we're here until like 4.30 because three uh, of us have a flight to catch oh okay so gotcha. otherwise I would have stayed longer but that, that's the, the travel so make sure you stop by happen. the table yeah, yeah. guys
1: hit that table if you have any more questions for them if we can catch them right now ask them at the table right over here uh, outside of that Peter we appreciate thank thank your you so time much. hanging out with us here uh, and awesome. on that note there we go. <laughs> Thank you guys. Well, we hope you enjoyed this week's comic conversation. This was a production of the Distance Nerding Podcast and Time for Tacos Media. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, and TikTok, all at Distance Nerding. If you enjoy our content, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks, and keep nerding together.